0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeRCityWalkCA. Good morning, Citywalk Church. How are we doing this morning? Morning, those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you've joined us as well. Uh, I had a really, really great last couple days. It actually started with a not good thing. But then it turned out well. So I, I got I headed to camp to where our students are. And uh, they're at they're at a snow camp and they'll actually be getting home about four in the afternoon today. And on my way there, I, I rented a car to go, and I, I rented just like a middle of the road, like just give me a Corolla, whatever. I don't want to pay a bunch of money. And and when I, I rented it, the person said, Hey man, we don't have any of those cars available, but we we'll, we do have a Mustang. And so, we'll give it to you for the same price. Are you good with that? Yes, I am good with that. And I, I might have done some donuts in the church parking lot, but you don't know that. You, there's no cameras out there. But, but I did. And so, man, I had fun driving that thing. Well, I'm on my way. I'm about an hour from camp. I'm in a random cow pasture with a road in between it, and the car stops. And it's revving, but it ain't moving, And so I had a fun experience there and they, man, Enterprise got me to another car and and got me to camp. And man, if for those of you that have students at camp right now, you would be so proud of your students. They are leaning into what God has to say. Our youth leaders are rock stars and they're doing a great job just interacting with our kids. The very first night... And and when I tell you this, you may never let your kid go back to camp with us. Uh, But on the very first night, kind of one of the things they did, and our kids were very into this, is it's 34, 35 degrees, it's kind of up in the mountains. And so what they did, because this definitely makes sense for youth camp, is they created a gauntlet outside. You started by jumping in a kiddie pool full of water, make sure you get totally wet, then you run through basically like a car wash on a slip and slide with water spraying on you, and then to finish things out, you dive into another pool, and uh, then you run into a warm room. Well, our kids didn't want to run into a warm room. They wanted to go again, and uh, they, man, they, they had a blast. Sorry about the pneumonia if you're a mom or dad, but I'm telling you, they had fun getting it, and so no, they, they had a fun time, and, and our kids, man, they like I said, they're leaning in. And I'm so thankful for our youth leaders. Over this past couple of weeks, if you have kids or if you're a student, it's been a good last couple of weeks because for a lot of our kids, they've had a week off. According to what school district you're in, you had a winter break. And uh, anytime somebody tells you, I remember growing up, anytime time it was like the day we went on a winter break, that was a really, really good thing to hear. Uh, I was a kid that, man, I, I did okay in school. Uh, I had some classes I liked. I enjoyed doing sports and, and the, some of the social stuff, but I, there were also some classes I did not mind missing for a week when there was a break, and maybe you can remember some classes like that. One of those classes that I just would have been glad if we had like a couple-month break from was algebra, and I didn't do a good job in eighth grade algebra and so in order to graduate i had to take a few months of algebra my 12th grade year because i hadn't passed it in eighth grade and so i had to take it so that i could basically graduate so it was chris the senior and a bunch of eighth graders in a class and i hated it Uh, and one of the reasons i didn't like it was because of mrs douglas the teacher Mrs. Douglas was probably the sweetest lady ever outside of the algebra class, but inside the algebra class, she scared me. She was one of those people, and I was the senior. I was like the oldest one there, probably like at this point 18 years old, and I, she was the type of teacher that I was afraid, if I didn't understand it, I was not about to raise my hand and ask a question. I would just rather not know about it, because if I were to ask a question, she might make me feel like an idiot for asking that question. Uh, She might answer it in a way that I would totally not understand anyway. And so I just found myself not asking questions, and my mom, she just hired a tutor outside of school to help me get through algebra. Maybe you had a a teacher like that. Maybe you had a, a, a coach like that. Maybe you've had someone in your life, and you can relate, where, man, if you had a question, maybe it's your boss. You kind of kept that question to yourself because you knew that, man, if I ask this question, there's more potential for like bad things happening if I just don't have the answer. I'd just rather not have the answer. And so we've all had people like that in our life. Like I said, maybe it was a teacher for you, maybe it was a parent, maybe a coach, maybe a boss, but we've all had people like that where if we had a question, we just said, you know what, it's just easier not to know the answer than to ask the question and for some of you maybe you're watching online and you feel this way for some of you the church has kind of been that for you and, and here's what I mean you, you maybe have been around church and you had some questions maybe there were some things you were a little confused on and so you, you thought you were in a safe place to ask questions but when you came to that person, when you came to the, 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 maybe the person that you thought would be able to help you with an answer, not only did they not answer your question, but they made you feel like you wish you wouldn't have asked it in the first place. And, and maybe that's what you've experienced as it relates to the church. It might be why some of you for a season of your life just kind of walked away from it. Or you showed up, but you never really leaned in. Because you had an experience like that. If you've ever felt that way, then you're going to be happy because that's not the way Jesus was. In fact, and Matt introduced us to this our series, uh, and he introduced us to this statement last week. And the statement is this, Jesus creates safe spaces for us, and we are to create safe spaces for other people. And one of the things that Jesus creates safe spaces for us in is for us to ask our questions. To us to bring our doubts. To us to bring the things that we don't understand. He creates safe spaces. And there's a story in the Bible in John chapter 3 where there was a guy by the name of Nicodemus that had some very legitimate questions. And he brought these questions to Jesus and Jesus didn't make him feel stupid for asking them. He didn't kind of run him off or give him some like surface answer. Jesus created a very safe space for Nicodemus to ask his questions. And if you have your Bible, look with me at John chapter three, as we see Jesus interact with Nicodemus in such a gracious way as Nicodemus had some very legitimate questions. It says this in John chapter 3, verse 1. You can, you'll find this in the app or it'll be up on the screen. It says this, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So the name Nicodemus was a, a really common name in this time period. Nicodemus was a guy, he was a religious leader, he was a teacher, he was a Pharisee, he was part of the Sanhedrin, which was a group kind of like a a Supreme Court made up of about 70 people, and he helped kind of lay out religious law, he helped kind of keep people in kind of doing the right thing, and and he was kind of the authority, one of the authorities, a very important religious leader of Jesus' day. And it says this in verse 2, it says, This man, Nicodemus, came to him at night. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He Obviously, he wanted this conversation probably not to get out to other people. He probably wanted to have maybe some uninterrupted time with Jesus. And Jesus was pretty popular in that day. So man to come at night would probably be quiet. They'd get a chance to interact and, and there wouldn't be a lot of distraction. And and honestly, he may have just even feared being associated with Jesus closely. And so he he didn't necessarily want everybody to know that him and Jesus were hanging out. So he came at night. And it says, this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. And so as he begins to interact with Jesus, he shows Jesus some honor, some respect. He calls him rabbi. He calls him teacher. These are polite and respectful titles. But but based on how he kind of phrases this and based on what he calls Jesus, we know that Nicodemus probably had respect for Jesus, but he didn't buy into who Jesus really was, God's son. He might have thought that that Jesus was kind of God's man, but he didn't believe most likely that Jesus was actually God in the flesh. And so Nicodemus, he he begins to interact with Jesus, and, and Jesus seems very quickly to kind of be done with the small talk, and Jesus kind of dives in to some truth that he wants to talk to Nicodemus about. He says this, Jesus replied, Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, unless someone is born from above, unless someone is born spiritually, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, I mean, this is a brilliant man that Jesus is sitting down with. And he's, I mean, think about it. If somebody said to you, hey, unless you're born again, Maybe you've heard that phrase, you've heard it if you've been around religious circles, but man, born again, that's, what do you mean? Like, what does that even mean, Jesus, born again? And so Nicodemus asked what is a very logical question that you and I probably would have asked. He says this, how can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him, can he enter into, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Like, Jesus, I, I, I know that, like, for you, you got this whole virgin birth thing going on, but do you understand how this thing works? Like, born again, am I, like, supposed to go back into my mom and be born again? I mean, like, what does this mean? And so Jesus, instead of making Nicodemus be like, Man, you don't understand? You're an idiot. Jesus, he just kind of keeps walking through the conversation, and he gives him more. He says this, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless someone has this spiritual birth that cleanses from sin and brings spiritual transformation, unless someone is made new on the inside, he can't be in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Basically what Jesus is saying is this transformation, Nicodemus, that that at this point has Nicodemus a little bit confused. This transformation is done by the Holy Spirit. It isn't something that a person can do. And Nicodemus was in a system that there weren't a lot of things that a person couldn't do. In fact, the whole system that Nicodemus was a leader of was a very works-based, earn God's favor, check the right boxes. That's kind of the life he lived. And so Jesus, as he's talking to him and he's answering these questions, he says, hey, buddy, like, like what I'm talking about, being born again, being transformed on the inside, this isn't something that someone in the flesh can do. This is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. And he wants Nicodemus to kind of get this. And then he says this in verse 7. He says, do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. But he, like, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that all your rule keeping and religious practices are not going to fix your relationship with God. Like, buddy, you should not be surprised that, man, going to church and doing this and doing this and doing this isn't going to be enough to fix what's broken on the inside. There's more to it than just doing a list. And then Jesus says this. He says, in verse 8, he says, the wind blows where it pleases. So he's using an illustration that is like we all know what wind is. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He says, man, like the wind, the Holy Spirit and his work can't be understood. It can't be seen. It can't be controlled, but its effects are obvious. Just like the wind, Nicodemus, you you can't see the wind, you don't know where it's coming, you can't control the wind, but man, you, you know it's, there's, there's wind out here and you know it's, it's affecting things, you can't control it, you can't bottle it, but it's powerful. And he says the Holy Spirit's the same way. The Holy Spirit is doing stuff in people's hearts that, man, you can't put in a bottle, you can't you can't control it, but it's happening, and the effects of it are obvious and transform lives. Nicodemus, man, see, see he's, hes in his mind, he's probably thinking that, I, I just need to make a few adjustments. Like, I need to make a few tweaks. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm, I'm one of the most respected religious leaders in my area and of my day. And so in his mind, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to Jesus. Maybe there's a few things that I can still fix or change or tweak. And what Jesus is trying to get through Nicodemus' head is, buddy, this is a lot more than just tweaks. Like Nicodemus is in a house that's burning down and falling on top of him. And he's got a little water pistol with no water in it. And he thinks he's good. And Jesus is like, "Buddy, this is a lot bigger than you think. The Holy Spirit is doing things that you can't even imagine. This is much bigger than you just doing a couple more things or adding a couple more things to the list, man, this is big. The Holy Spirit wants to transform you, because here, here's the thing, and this was so important that, that, that Nehemiah get, or not Nehemiah. Nicodemus, get this. And this phrase, and maybe this phrase will, you'll relate with this. Religion may save you from guilt, but it won't save you from sin. You may may get a little brief reprise in your conscience by checking religious boxes, but it's not going to transform your heart. And that's as Jesus is answering nicodemus's questions and as he's being a safe space for nicodemus to even bring his questions he wants the most religious guy of the day to understand all that religion it may ease your conscience it may help you look good in front of other people but it will not transform your heart it will not get you into the kingdom of god it will not allow you to be born from above it's bigger than that nicodemus And he says this in verse 9, and I mean, Nicodemus, he's just like, I don't get this. He says this, he says, how can these things be? Asked Nicodemus. Like, okay, how does does this happen? Born again, born from above, transformation. Like, what does that even mean? How do I do that, Jesus? And Jesus, he he says, man, are you a teacher of Israel? and, And don't you know these things? Jesus replied, like, buddy, you're You've read the Old Testament. You should have seen it pointing to me all throughout the Old Testament. Like, you should know some of this. Just look back at the Old Testament. It points to a redemption. It points to a deliverer. You should know this. And then he says, truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But you do not accept our testimony. The reason you don't get it, Nicodemus, is you haven't believed me. Man, I have been saying this for the last few years, and and man, the reason this doesn't make sense to you is you haven't listened and believed what I had to say. If I told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Basically what Jesus is saying is, buddy, I'm the only one qualified to talk to you about heavenly things because I've been in heaven. I understand eternal things because I'm eternal. And you haven't even believed the earthly things that I've said. And now I'm talking to you about heavenly things that I am uniquely qualified to talk to you about. And you haven't believed me. That's why this hasn't made sense to you. And then what Jesus does is he just graciously, he brings up an instance in the Old Testament that Nicodemus would have known like the back of his hand. He he says this, he says in verse 14, he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. To Nicodemus, Moses was his hero. Moses, Abraham, David, those are heroes of of guys like Nicodemus. And so Jesus, as he's trying to help Nicodemus understand what it means to be born again, what it means to be spiritually transformed, he graciously points Nicodemus to this passage in Numbers, this story And maybe you've heard this story, but this is a story where God has freed the nation of Israel from bondage. He's provided them a land of their own, which Nicodemus would have understood. But instead of obeying God with a grateful heart, Israel decided to make the journey much harder. And there was this instance, and we'll read about it here in verse 5 of Numbers chapter 21, that God did something radical to grab their attention, and it it relates very well with what Nicodemus needed to do to have spiritual transformation. Look with me at Numbers chapter 21, verse 5, and this is the story that Jesus is referring Nicodemus to. He says this, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And they bit them so that many Israelites died. So I, basically what I just described to you is your worst nightmare. Like you're, some of you are going to have a nightmare tonight when you start thinking about this. So, so the Israelites, they've been freed. God, God's freed them from Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They're complaining. They're, they're giving Moses a hard time. They're complaining against God. And so God says, okay... And he sent snakes, and they bit him, and they died. I mean, this is not good this is this is like I said like the worst nightmare that you could have. I remember in college, my wife we were still, we were pretty young married, and, and her dad never told me this before we got married, but she was deathly afraid of snakes, which okay, who a lot of people are, but he didn 't tell me and that she actually has some dreams about snakes at night. And when she does, she screams bloody murder in the middle of the night. So I would be in college and I'd be, you know, at the front table studying, working on a paper. And all of a sudden, just in the quiet of the night, I would hear the most blood-curdling, high-pitched scream coming from our bedroom. I'd go in there and Lori would be like looking under the covers because she had dreamed that there was a snake in bed with her. And, and, and so she just, and, and this happened multiple times. And I, I think I've probably been scarred for life because of it, but it was just something that she was afraid of. And this is like the nightmare that you don't want to live in. And these snakes have come, they're, they're biting people. And, and then this very next part is where Jesus begins to refer to, to, so that Nicodemus will understand what needs to happen in his heart. It says this in verse 7, The people then came to Moses, they had a little different attitude at this point, and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that we will take take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Basically, they come, okay, we're wrong. Tell God, we don't want snakes anymore. And so the Lord said this, then the Lord said to Moses, make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. And so Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he refers him back to this story that, again, Nicodemus would have understood how Moses had to make this bronze snake and put it up on a pole and if someone was bitten, as long as they would look at the snake, they would not die. And then this is what Jesus said back to verse... 16 of chapter 3 for god loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life nicodemus just like israel you have a problem you cannot fix Your sin is and will destroy your life. But God loved you so much, he sent a solution. It says this in verse 17, as Jesus continues to talk. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Jesus reminded Nicodemus that there is one way to escape. There is one way to be spiritually transformed. And it is in the person of Jesus, the Son who would be sacrificed for the world. See, Israel, they had been bitten, and they had a clear way to be healed. They might not have liked the way. They might have a better idea. But God had created a clear path for them to be healed and not die. They may have wished that the way was different, but they had to make a choice. They could try other options. That was their choice if they wanted to. No one was going to force them to look at the snake. But at the end of the day, the people who did lived and the people who didn't, didn't. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is God has provided a way for you to be saved on the inside just like the people of Israel had been bitten and on their own they could do nothing about it. They were doomed. You are doomed because of the sin on the inside, Nicodemus. But just like God provided a way for them to be saved and he has done the same thing for you. He's provided a way through me, Jesus, who will give his life, who will be hung on a cross. And because of that, if you choose that way, you will be saved. You will be transformed. You will be born again. You don't have to choose that way. You can choose other options. But there's one way to spiritual transformation. There's one way to eternal life with God in heaven. And that way is through me, Nicodemus. Through me, Jesus. He finishes up this kind of conversation and he says this. This is the judgment, that light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Nicodemus, light's come into the world. And not everybody likes the light because it exposes darkness. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth, who embraces Jesus and what he says, comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Nicodemus, you came here with some really good questions. And I'm telling you, the answer to your questions is me. I'm the answer to What's going on on the inside that you can't fix with all the religious things you do? I'm the light in the darkness and I'm not popular and there's there's a lot of people that don't like what I say and they're not into the light because my light exposes the darkness and so they don't like it. But I came into the world not to condemn the world. I'm not angry at the world. I came into the world to provide a way to have a relationship with God because sin is destroying you. It's separating you from God. See, Nicodemus may not have loved the answer. He may have. But Jesus created a space for him to ask some really good questions. And this week in your small groups, you're going to read some passages about how the story ends for Nicodemus. Did he buy into what Jesus said? And you're going to get a chance to interact around some scriptures. But... But as we think about this idea of of safe spaces and how Jesus creates these safe spaces, it it doesn't matter if you're watching online or you're, you're here this morning. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or if you're maybe somebody that's investigating faith. If we're honest, none of us likes to take our questions to someone that we think will hurt us, embarrass us, or lie to us. It doesn't matter where you are spiritually, none of us appreciate that. None of us, whether it's our our church or our work, we we don't want to go to somebody that's going to hurt us because we have questions. And and like I said earlier, maybe that's kind of what you've experienced in the church. Instead of being a safe place, it was anything but that, which is kind of confusing because when you read about Jesus, he seemed to be different. Jesus, who is God, seemed to create safe spaces for people to bring their questions and even their doubts. Which leads me to a few questions I want us to to think about this morning. And here's the first question. Do I really want to know what God says? See, there were a lot of people that asked Jesus questions. And some of them came and wanted to know really what Jesus had to say but others came with different motives. And so as we think about Jesus being a safe space for us to ask questions and bring our doubts and our confusions, I really want us to think, like at the end of the day, do I really want to know what he says? I might complain because, oh, it's not a safe space to ask questions, but do I really want to know what Jesus has to say about Relationships? Do I really want to know what he has to say about money, about sexuality, about eternity? Do I really want to know what Jesus and the Scriptures say about those things? It's a good question to think about. Because it's available. All those things are available. But do I, I mean, at the end of the day, do I really want to know? Which leads to maybe a second question. Am I committed to obey him? Do I look at what God says as one of a few good options, or does what he say win the day? Like like when I learn, or God, this is what you have to say about money, or this is what you say about relationships, or this is what you say about, and you fill in the blank. Do I look at what God has to say as, oh, man, that's one of several great options I can look at? Or do I look at what God has to say and, and, and in my mind say, man, what God says trumps everybody else. What he says isn't one of the options. It wins the day every time, even if I don't like it. Do I want to know what God has to say and then am I committed to obey him? Because he's a safe space to bring our questions and our doubts But we got to come to a realization, do we really want to know what he says? And are we really committed to do what he says? Maybe another question to think about. Maybe you've not thought about it this way. But am I a safe space for people to bring their spiritual questions? Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. None of us do. But when people are around me and they have spiritual questions... Am I a place they feel comfortable to bring those to? Am, am I the type of person that if somebody brings a question, am I a safe space for them to bring a hard question, a doubt? And I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be able to tell them exactly. I just, but am I even a safe space for them to bring those questions? Are you a safe space? Are you a place where people know that, man, they can ask you a question and and you're not going to make them feel stupid? You're not going to give them this surface answer to kind of get them off your back like some people have done to all of us? Are, Are we a safe space where people feel like, you know what, when I have a spiritual question, I can go talk to them. And then the last thing, do I point them to what God says? Because if I don't, then I'm not a safe space. I'm actually a really bad place. When people bring questions to me, when people bring questions to you, do I give them what God says? Or do I think, oh, that's going to be hard if I tell them really what God says. So I'm going to maybe help God out a little bit and kind of not tell them exactly what God says. If I do that... And I'm not a safe space for people to bring their questions. See, people don't need my opinion. They don't need your opinion. They don't need the thoughts of a 23-year-old life coach that you follow on Instagram. They don't. They don't need to know what the latest influencer said or their opinion on it. They need to know what God says. They don't have to embrace what God says. But they should at least have the chance to, if they come to you or I. They should at least know what God says. We're not going to make them feel terrible or shameful if they don't decide to go God's way. But they should at least have a chance because they at least hear what God says when they come to us. Are we a safe space? Jesus was and is a safe space to bring our doubts Our questions. And today he's he's not walking the earth like he was when Nicodemus was on the earth. But we have the scriptures and we have the Holy Spirit. Who he's given to us as a guide into truth. And we will never regret. Leaning into what God says. We will never regret lovingly, graciously sharing God's word with other people. Jesus created safe spaces so that you and I could create safe spaces for other people. Let's pray. As we close things down and kind of close in prayer here, before I close in prayer, I just, I just want to ask, ask you maybe to think about this a little bit, maybe personally. Maybe you've already begun to with some of the questions that we talked about. Maybe you're watching online or you're here with us this morning here here at church. And if you're somebody that says, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's been a time in my life where I've admitted to God that I have sinned. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. And I put my faith and trust in him. I have a relationship with him. If that's you... Is there an area of your life that you need to lean into God and his word on? Maybe you felt afraid to do that. Maybe you felt that God wasn't a safe space for you to bring your questions, to bring your confusion. Is there an area of your life that you feel, man, man, I need to really lean into what God has to say. And and maybe, like I said, maybe you've been avoiding it for different reasons. But we, we should want to know what God says, not so we can weigh out our options, but so we can do what is best. And so, is there an area of your life that just maybe God's pricking your heart with? And then, secondly, are, would you say, man, are you a safe space? Are you a safe space for other people? That might have questions that might have doubts. And again, it doesn't mean you have all the answers I think one of the greatest answers to a question is hey, I don't know that answer But i'll go find it and we'll talk about it later But am I a safe space for that? And if not maybe just between you and god, you would just tell god god. I haven't been that safe space And god help me Maybe it's ask somebody that loves you enough to tell you the truth. Like, hey, do I give off the vibe of being a, a safe place for people to bring their questions, their issues, their confusions? Am I a safe space? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus. And for you, you, you may not be following Jesus for a variety of reasons, but. One of the greatest things that that Jesus did and he told Nicodemus about it was he created a safe space for you so that you could have a relationship with God. He created that safe space and he created that way by going to the cross, paying for our sin, then being put in a grave and raising from the dead. And so if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but today I want to make that decision to start a relationship with Jesus. How would I do that? Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching or listening to this, just tell God that. Say, Chris, how do I say that? Just, just from your heart to God, just tell God, God, I admit that I've sinned. I admit I've done things my way. Just tell him, your heart to his. And then just tell him, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin and that he rose from the grave for me. Just tell God. And then just ask, God, come into my life. I want that spiritual transformation that Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. I want a relationship with you. Just tell him. If you're here with us this morning and as I was praying out loud, you were praying that from your heart to God's, man, we would love to know about that decision. You can let us know about that decision by taking a decision card right in front of you and Maybe during the last song, just filling that out and taking it to the next steps table. Uh, We have a free Bible that we would love to give you as a way to just help you in your relationship with God. Maybe you're watching online and you also made that decision. There's a decision card. You can go to citywalk.cc and you can fill that out. And we would love to get in contact with you this week as well. Lord, I thank you that though there may not be a lot of safe spaces around us to bring questions and doubts, and and Lord, we've all experienced that in different scenarios, but Jesus, You have created a safe space. You've created a safe space for us to bring our past, for us to bring our questions, for us to bring our doubts. And instead of condemning us, You graciously help us you transform us, you create us new on the inside, and you walk with us. And God, I pray that we would lean into the safe space that you've created and that we would be that place for others. In Jesus' name, amen.